0: I would come in here just to take a nap on mm-hmm. the table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like strip down to my boxers <laughs> and just like lay in here. Well, get like a fur, a fur runner for yeah. the table and lay down in the fur. We need to work on that. Uh, Will Ferrell, I think, would be a great person to represent the brand. And, yeah, uh, he fits. Did you see Semi Pro? No. Okay. <laughs> Will, Ferrell's, Will Ferrell's character in Semi Pro. I feel like okay.
1: the movements of Will Ferrell would not do well in this room i feel
0: like there would be a lot of broken bottles (laughs) just keep him happy he'll be all right if you keep him fur laden laden in fur he'll be fine Welcome to the episode of the Entry Proof Podcast. I'm Drew. Brian. With us is Danny slash Dan slash Daniel Calloway of Bard Sound Bourbon Company. Hey, thank you for coming on the podcast. That's really rad of you to just host us. And
2: I'm glad you guys are here and uh, happy to be on it. So thanks for having me.
0: My adrenaline's kicking in after the drive down from Milwaukee. I was a little bit worried about that, like getting up early. and But it, it turned out okay. I started off with some pretty dank coffee and... The drive went well. I listened to golf podcasts, so I'm ready to podcast right now. Golf podcast? Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds kind of boring, I guess, but it's there's a lot of zen in in golf, and if you got to drive six and a half hours, counting breaks, um, yeah, it's it's kind of good. It's a good mood, I think, for driving. Perfect. I had
1: some anxiety this morning. I was I was nervous. I was going to be late for this, even though I was waking up in Louisville and we we're set to record at two thirty. I still went went to bed with that fear.
0: That's fine. I mean, human here we are. We made it. Fear is a complex emotion and it shows up often when we don't want it to. We don't have a lot of control over fear. Right. Yeah. This is not a philosophy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny, let's just get into who you yeah, are. Let's do that, it. That's really the point of it is, um, you know, your story and how it relates to Bardstown Bourbon Company. Sure. So just give us your background. I mean, I know actually Brian first met you in a restaurant. I don't even know if you remember
1: when we first met possibly he's like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna hear this story again it's gonna <laughs> jump my memory
0: all right why don't you, you want me start it? there yeah let's start there
1: so. i i know houston samara from at quills right and uh big into the cocktail scene so big into the bar scene and we were going to hell or High Water, downtown louisville right um where um you and it's escaping my mind and it shouldn't but um you all were upstairs, kind of like that private room. Yep. And we kind of came in. I think you all had seen each other, because we we didn't know each other at that point. You kind of motioned or something or uh, you know, and we we went up to join. And that was when you were it was proposed to you, hey, leave what you were doing and this opportunity is available for you to come work at Barchtown Bourbon Company. I don't know if you had accepted been that point. Doug or Petra. It was Doug, yeah.
2: Yeah, so he was the he managed Rye. That's right. And he set up Heller High Water. Correct. Right. So you guys were just hanging out, having some drinks.
1: Perfect. And then...
2: I think we, he was setting up Heller High Water at the time. I don't I don't know if that was open yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Know. It, it might have been pretty early okay. on. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, he. Uh, he's a great dude. He's actually in Switzerland right now. All oh, wow. He's living over there. Yeah, so. I, yeah, I have not heard from him in a while, so that explains that a little bit. He was trying to sell me wine last night, so we were texting. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, crazy. So that's where we met, and then it continued, I guess, shortly after that would have been 2018, uh, came down to Bardstown uh, initially to open the bar. So the vision uh, of this full-service restaurant, um, what we call the Modern Bourbon Experience, just kind of happened organically. So the restaurant uh, came from the bar, and from there, the visitor's center, and now it's, it's this amazing um, all-in-one experience under one roof. Absolutely. It Pretty is cool. amazing, yeah, yeah, and we'll
0: definitely get to the ins and outs of that amazing experience. But what were you doing in, before in that restaurant when Brian yeah, met you? So what I, was it you were contemplating leaving? I mean, I looked you up on LinkedIn, so I know a little bit about you. <laughs> <laughs> I started in
2: music, uh, so my whole life, uh, early years, I was I was practicing French horn, and and just deep into that, I went to school, uh, music conservatory in Cincinnati, um, and then. Kind of traveled around playing French horn in different orchestras and then wound up playing in the uh, Louisiana Philharmonic based in New Orleans. Did that for a long time. And then from there, I was doing movie tours in China. I was doing these kind of strange, it was called the Hollywood Concert Orchestra and we would play film music in a different city every night in China and Japan. So Uh, very strange, you know, You, you play these massive... Halls, but it was it was it was an experience, right? And get to meet people, and that's where I met my wife uh, doing a tour there, and she lived in Louisville, so it was either moved to Louisville or don't. So I left New Orleans, uh, ended up in in Louisville, and was always in love with cocktails and wine, and living in Louisville, that transitioned into bourbon and and the restaurant scene. So I joined Decca, was the GM there, uh, and then that's where I met the CEO of Copper and Kings, Joe Heron, who was the founder, and he introduced me to the former CEO of Barstown Bourbon Company,
0: and it just went from there. So that's my life story. In like 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you met your wife in... In China. No, oh, I met her in, in China. China. And she lived in...
2: So She lived in Louisville. Okay. We were both in the same... We were both playing... Film music in China. Got it. Uh, same, same orchestra. orchestra same same orchestra. She was playing violin. I was playing French horn. Okay. And so it was all about seeing the country. You, you know, you'd, you'd play the show and then you'd go out and it was, you know, different city every night. Very social place. You're traveling on the plane and we got to know each other and just connected over a lot of things and then stayed in touch. And I was, I was, I would finish an orc- uh, orchestra concert Saturday night, drive through the night to Kentucky, get back by Tuesday. Uh, and I did that for about a year, and then uh, we we I, I moved up and we we moved lived in Germantown for a while and and just did it. Well, wow. yeah. Were you were
1: you into the beverage scene while while traveling? Like, what I don't know yeah. what what this age was to know if
2: that's something yeah, you're doing Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, and living in New Orleans, I used to hang out in Bar Tonique, was right across from uh, Mahalia Jackson Theater. So hang out there a bunch uh, in China. I was just exposed to a lot of. Things I'd never tasted, never seen, and, and what spirits could do. But ultimately, uh, playing music, it became more about the people, you know. And I started to love the experience of the people and 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 what spirits can do for bringing people together. And I, I wanted to make that change uh, for a long time. Yeah,
1: yeah. So another mutual friend, um, Davey. So I mean, Davey he, Butterworth. I don't, I don't think he took over after you, but he's,
2: I mean, he's, in the he's, same realm, though. Absolutely. So I. I hired Davey at DECA. One of the best decisions uh ever made. Great guy. He's amazing. And uh he's led the beverage program there for years and um just an incredible person and a great cocktail expert and um you just got his he's a certified Psalm now and is, is doing great things. As are you, correct? Yeah, yep, right. Yeah. Did
0: that happen at DECA then when you were there? Yeah, I got
2: deep into it and I I kinda dive into things so I got I was always into wine, but not not in a knowledgeable way and just opened every bottle I could get my hands on and, you know, you buy a lot of wine and you drink a lot of wine and, you know, you get after something and and do it.
0: What, uh, like what, in particular, you know, there, of course, for us bourbon geeks, there are bourbons that... You know, really resonate with us. We love the profile. Is, yep. Are there particular wines or regions oh, or varieties that you're like, oh, this uh, this is my jam. When it comes absolutely. To of course, it's not a wine podcast, but yeah, no, I always, I,
2: we're opening up a, a whole thing, but uh, right now, the one I recommend that I drink a lot of is uh, Southern, Southern Italy it has a lot of great vineyards. They have one um, uh, uh, for Pato. COS, three different winemakers, started in the uh, 80s. Like, biodynamic practicing really led that. And they for Pado to me. Um, I have a lot of their 2017, and they just put out uh, a newer vintage that I need to compare. It's just phenomenal. It's, it's got funk, earth, mushrooms, bright fruit with it. Uh, if you like Pinot, but you want maybe something a little more rustic mm. than uh, what you'd like, say, a Sonoma mm. or something. Uh, with a little fizz, uh, slight carbonation. It's, it's amazing.
1: I'm assuming, like, as we talk about BBC, we'll explain this more. But do you find yourself looking for things similarly in wine that you would in whiskey? Are they two completely different things to you? I mean, like, how, how does the taste experience for you compare or contrast?
2: I, they compare to me. I think it's it's similar. And um, I think it's That's a great question. Uh, it's, it's how you, for me, it all starts with aroma, right? Both of them, you judge everything off them. Hmm. You start there. Um, with bourbon and whiskey, that can be a little harder with the alcohol. Right. So you have to have the right glassware. You have to start maybe a further distance. But ultimately, you're, you're associating that with your own personal experience and what you know and flavors that are, are meaningful to you. And then you just go from there. And something high quality is high quality in, in either spectrum. Uh, you're still looking at aroma, your, your, your balance, and your
0: finish. You know, No difference. So, you're crushing it at DECA, super into wine, wine guy, um, loving life, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and then, w- what happens to bring you to Bardstown? Like, what, did that, what was that process like, and what made you go like, okay, I think I'll, I think I'll do bourbon now?
2: Well, I, I, I was deep into wine, you're right, but I was also hugely into bourbon, and a fan of bourbon and the spirit, and, and living in Kentucky, you know, I wanted to be associated with something in the bourbon world i just wasn't sure what it was going to be and when i i drove down here it was snowing and uh kind of you know made it down it was middle of winter and saw the place and at that time it was just an empty building there was there was nothing the distillery was running but there was no restaurant no bar just just a big empty space you could you know play roller hockey in it mm-hmm. and i heard the story and the vision and what they were trying to create and I, I was just on board within five minutes of talking with them, and I kind of had to pretend like I wasn't. Um, but I was—I was so deeply into it. And I met uh, a, a good bit of the team, and their priority was just recruitment and getting the best people on board. So, for example, their their hire number one, or our hire number one, Steve Nally, uh, former Master Stiller at Maker's Mark, you know, brought him out of retirement for the second time. Just to have that expertise and tradition, and then John Hargrove, who represents the innovation, the the technical acumen. Former master still Barton, 1792. He's now our COO, overseeing the whole production. When you have people like that in place, average uh, 15 years experience, and they were they were recruiting from Beam, from Sazerac, getting these incredible employees and and the business model made so much sense and and the vision and the goals and the values uh, were just so in line with what i wanted to do that it was a no-brainer and um it was it was funny right after the interview i was leaving on my wife's
0: uh
2: father lives in italy uh biological father lives in italy and so we were going there for a couple weeks and i had the decision of ov- uh while i was over there and then as soon as i came back i started, got after it, and haven't looked back since.
1: For those who I've been tuning in who don't necessarily know what that vision, what those visions or um, like values are for BBC? Yeah. What is so that?
2: BBC stands on innovation, collaboration, and transparency. And in the bourbon world, those are new models. They're new things. So we can start transparency, and we'll get into the tasting. Everything we do uh, we can take pictures of, we can talk about, we can put right on the label. So the, the product you're drinking, you know what it is. It's no no made up stories, myths, hidden legends, anything like that. We want you to see what's going on. And there's a lot of kind of fabrication traditionally in the bourbon industry. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to change that. Collaboration we distill uh at the time it wasn't this name, but now it's up to almost 30 different collaborative partners sure. everyone from high wow. west to jefferson's
0: kentucky owl and, and you can th- drop their name because yeah, yeah it's open right. it's like,
2: transparent that's, that's great. a pariah in the yeah. bourbon.
0: like we can't talk about where this comes from or why we made it
2: how we made it and, and it's a different model instead of just sourcing juice so in the past if, if someone had leftover bourbon you could buy it. It was their bourbon, their recipe, mm-hmm. you know, and you you couldn't say where you got it. Here we work with these companies and it's their own custom mash, but we have fifty unique recipes that we're putting out right now. So if we're making a bourbon for for Dixon, a Kentucky Owl, it's his it's his recipe. It's like a cook using our equipment, our kitchen. Mm-hmm. He can work hand in hand with Nick Smith, our head distiller, Steve Nally. John Hargrove to create something that's truly his and then be transparent about the whole process and then innovative we're trying to push these boundaries, create new things single malts, finishing, experimenting being modern and, and just making awesome bourbon and I tasted the distillate and I was blown away
1: do you do you find that folks that are a part of that who you know maybe Dixon's got a mash bill maybe someone else has a mash bill <coughs> do you do you hear stories of them talking to one another more openly than what seems like is the case? I mean, again, we both have backgrounds in coffee. So like, you know, I know sometimes practices of roasting practices, of sourcing, some of those things are closed lipped because, you know, you've worked for those relationships. Do you see the people that you're working with having a little bit of freedom in that themselves and trying to innovate as a brand for themselves collaboratively?
2: Absolutely. And, and we'll run into people. We're kind of neutral territory. We're in the middle, uh, heart of the bourbon capital of the world with our restaurant, there'll be master distillers in here from major brands all the time. And they talk, they can come back, see the facility. Um, Jim Rutledge was in here a couple days ago. We're, we're talking, we're sharing, especially people we're collaborating with formally. We can discuss, you know, um, innovation, things we're working on and help each other out. It is a
0: truly collaborative process. So savage. I mean, I, I looking at even the bottles, like tell that story. You look at the bottle of the Fusion series and it's like, yeah. here's what's in here. That's exactly. amazing. Like exactly. from, from a consumer, like one of my videos recently was like how to read a label because right. it's so convoluted and almost disturbing. <laughs> like, What does this crap mean? But with the Bardstown products, um, it's just all on there. It's like here, it's uh, MGP. Right. It's Dickel, and it's our stuff. And right. I'm like, "Oh, well, that's great. Now I know exactly what's in there and that there's no where there's no like meandering about it. Exactly. I don't have to wonder and it's like I know what I'm buying." And I appreciate that. You know, it makes the purchasing decision a lot easier. And I think you'll see uh
2: many companies gravitating towards that transparency. I hope so, because it is appreciated. No. It's what people want. Right. Do you find yourself So I mean, I know
1: there are more products again. We'll talk about it, but there are more products than your finished products but do you do you find it it's scratching this unusual like itch of combining worlds with some of these finished products that you get to taste so yeah i mean not all of them are wine based but yeah you do have some of that i imagine you taste through a lot more than we see so yeah. is this like this box being opened <laughs> that just is like oh i didn't know this would exist
2: absolutely yeah. you know um man Cognac, Armagnac, different beers, uh, different regions of wine. i working to set one up with a, a group. I'm really a fan of, uh, out of Italy, you know, and there's just potential and that's, that's a huge part of not being owned by a conglomerate umbrella company. Our decisions can be made internally with just a few people. If we want to go after a company and we're excited about them and we want to collaborate. We can do it. You know, there's no other agenda where if you were owned by, say, a Diageo or a Perno, you could never
0: you you would never
2: have that option. Right. Sure.
0: And I mean, there's gotta be like thousands of different collaborations, variables. I mean, it's an endless kind of road yeah. that you guys can go down here.
2: And I pulled out a couple for you guys to try. You know, so we'll, we'll we get having. there.
1: I'm I'm excited <laughs> well, to get what there. Does, <laughs> so you know, we've talked a little bit about that. We talked about the the values, what brought you down here. What now that you're here and then again, you mentioned at first it was the restaurant or the bar, mm-hmm. which led into restaurant. Things have just been leading into one another. Now that we're on this premises where there's so much stuff going on, we're here in this vintage tasting room. What what does a day look like for you in your role or ro- roles that you've previously had? What, what does it look like yeah. every day for you?
2: That's great. Uh, I oversee two to two departments right now um small company everyone wears l- a lot of hats but that's, that's small beautiful company. Yeah, we come it's from small a small coffee roasting <laughs> company <laughs> this does not look like a, a small company a to l- me little over 100 employees so oh, i'm wow. I, uh, the vice president of hospitality so oversee hospitality but then also product development which is our our blends our Who we're going to collaborate with what we're doing that's really divided into development packaging getting the product out and then innovation which is forward thinking what are we doing here what should we make what is what are our flavor profiles we want to celebrate oh yeah so a day in the life is everything from giving a tour doing a podcast uh how many podcasts have you done Uh, not not. i'm you guys are the only one (laughs) boom And so, mic drop uh, right now know, and i'm out of here <laughs> overseeing the front facing thing you know what are we doing so we did a, a beautiful distilled dinner series last night Paid, nice elevated great dinner you know
0: we, we should have been here i know you just missed it and then could have been that, here i could have been here didn't know about it it's
2: like the yeah, sign yeah, of joe's
1: crab says free crab tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> always i always, always miss it
2: just missed and then the other half is is thinking about products like this morning i was we're just looking through Excel sheets of our inventory and seeing when we make these blends, what products we have available. What do we need to go out and purchase? What should we be distilling? All of that. Yeah. Uh.
0: So when it comes to that, because that's what we're all interested
2: in. You yeah. It's like, OK,
0: so when it comes to that, here, let's look at some spreadsheets and see what kind of cool <laughs> stuff we can drop on these uh, consumers who will literally buy anything at this point. <laughs> um like what what kind of floats your boat i mean when it comes to saying all right here's what we have what do we want to produce create deliver to these folks like what what are the filters that come to your mind when you're trying to decide what to bring to folks? uh great
2: question so has to check the right boxes right so innovative like something ideally i mean something in a new space done in a different way or in a in a a, with a new quality or different vision so a lot of our one-offs i want to be special to us and with the collaborative series a lot of that is aging length retaining the volume in the barrels freshness getting the best flavor profile we can um and then i really a big push in 2021 for everything we're doing is involving the three-tiered system uh not distribution three-tiered in here is distilling culinary and beverage so how are we celebrating our culinary program uh how are we involving our beverage experts with the distilling team and taking that approach in every single product and as far as flavor profiles I think there's a ton of space in the single malt category American malts yeah uh we've made a couple blends now using a little malted whiskey in there uh, hmm. as part of the component
0: and where are you guys getting that or are you distilling it
2: both okay both well, I yeah yeah. That, yeah uh so we we have some sources but we are, we're also producing an incredible single malt right now so sweet um you know and seeing how that works as standalone then in blends and then for finishing you know we've got some mizanara arriving very soon, mm-hmm. noise. Some giant, uh, 250 liter Mizunara barrels, and then got ten saw turn barrels. Oh, to very nice. Yeah, yeah this so is gonna get real interesting. Real yeah. <laughs> yeah, So you know, we're gonna right now project. You know, just talking about what
0: I'm doing right now is to look at our
2: sourced inventory and figure out what do you put in a saw turn barrel. What's the best option as far as age, mash bill, flavor profile to put in a saw turn barrel? Because there's no do over. You know, you got ten barrels. Mm-hmm. um, you figure out the best
0: one and go for it absolutely yeah. so listening to you talk it's like oh this just sounds like the best job ever like what <laughs> makes you go home at the end of the day and you're you're with your wife and you're just like oh my gosh like yeah cuz we all have those days it's just like that was brutal what happens here that makes your day brutal uh, nothing's ever brutal uh, really
2: cuz <laughs> i try to i try to keep a good attitude about it but uh,
0: there's we different aspects. There's yeah.
2: messing up a flavor, you know, being yeah. incorrect on something. But That's the big just thing on is the path
0: though to figuring it out, right? Now. And then
2: managing people is is my biggest area that I've realized is is needs to be my number one focus. How you interact with people, how you direct a team, how you lead, how you set an example. I never understood even managing a restaurant at Deca, I never understood the value in it. Like I thought. Oh, I'll just do this and people will take care of what they need to do when we're all do our own job and it'll all work out. And uh it it takes so much effort, time, and thoughtfulness to be a, a good leader. And fortunately, there's some amazing leaders in this building that I'm learning from. Um, but that that's often front of my mind. Yeah, right that's
0: now. that's really interesting. Like I think a lot of people in management positions, they think about like Leadership in terms of like how do I how do I lead these people in a way that they will follow me, right? And it's like that's kind of the wrong way of thinking about it. It's more like how do you be a leader in such a gracious, like selfless, inspiring way as to where people want to follow you, right? So it's like trying to turn it on its head. It's not how to get them to do what you want. It's how to be the leader that they want to follow. And not even not even follow uh, that that yes,
1: but also you know people work probably as we have already said that we do in industries they're interested in, how do you, how do you cultivate them? Right. How do you let them grow in yeah, their own way no and doubt. also encourage? So, you know, finding people that you're able to build into has, has been something that's you know, on my mind a lot lately. You, I mean, you have, you have bartenders back here. You have, again, with culinary being important, you have people who want to experiment with flavor, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, with one of your brand missions being innovation, you know, encouraging that, seeing where it goes and you know letting them grow in that way
2: yeah yeah it's it's funny i used to would never think that i'd listen to these business books or leadership books that are so easy to make fun of and on the drive i've got an hour drive i just started getting into them and listening to these you know management books and something i would dismiss right off the uh, right out of the gate uh, a couple of years ago and uh, realizing that it's a humbling thing to realize you can improve on something and and right. dedicate yourself to that. It's it's been really helpful. So, yeah, it's that's that's kind Kinda of where I'm at with things right now.
1: You did leave a subtle little thing in there. I'm going I'm going to bring up. So so you've been here for a little bit of time. What has prevented you from moving to this beautiful
2: land of of Barchtown to be to be closer i would love to i i love barstown i love the people the community my wife runs sarah she runs a music school mm. louisville academy of music in louisville that makes sense and, and she's her name right mm-hmm. <laughs> no uh, yeah and she does amazing things there and
0: uh she, we need to be yeah, there for absolutely this, so. totally yeah um, hats off to you yeah, I a and way I don't to mind the be drive. Be a man and support your wife. That, <laughs> that is <laughs> that is awesome. That is fantastic.
2: Yeah, and nothing wrong with it. Like I like to say it's an opportunity to learn something. Listen on the drive. Uh, call my mom. Yeah, it's know. not that long of a drive. And it is no. a beautiful
1: drive. I mean, there are some where you go yeah. through boring parts of the highway. It's another to to enter into Bourbon Country and start seeing houses and stuff. Maybe that's just the nerd
0: in me. Dude, I genuflected when we drove down <laughs> the road. It is I mean, being from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. It's the land of beer. Of course, there's yeah. some. Pretty decent distilleries popping up in Wisconsin, but... Mm-hmm. Generally, it's run by beer, and you don't drive down the road and see rickhouses. When I come to Kentucky and I see rickhouses, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. it's like walking into this room. I've never been so happy as when I walked <laughs> into this room and I just looked at these bottles.
2: Well, you know, we're doing our sales blitz in Wisconsin next week. Yeah, no, I know. Actually, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah we're coming I'm ready strong yeah. next week. I'm stoked. Like, okay, cause I mean,
0: we're just opening it up. I've seen the product. I think one time in Chicago when I right. stopped at Benny's and. Right. Uh, but yeah, whoever the rep is or whoever's running the Instagram account for um Bardstown in Wisconsin, yep. they've been hitting up our group. So yeah, <laughs> okay. we're ready. We're Matt, ready his name
2: him. is Ed Rodriguez. All right. Yeah, He's I need to man. beat Ed. So okay, I can, yeah, can set you up. Put him, with him into Ed. contact with yep. me. Would you say,
1: and maybe you don't talk like this and that's totally fine. Would you say this is a dream job or what what is next for you? Like what what where do you want to go? So we're talking about leading a team and ideally they would have places that that they would want to go with what you're doing now like what what are goals that you have that are difficult to achieve and or like for yourself or for what you do at BBC like yeah. what are walls that you're trying to break through what's Danny's or end game
2: what's your end game <sighs> yeah uh, that's that's a tough one. so uh good question and something i was thinking about uh, the last few weeks, I actually was about to start an MBA at Indiana University online just to get those skills. decide not to because talking it through with people, realizing that this it really is a dream job, dream yeah. dream setup, and no the, the MBA would just be to enhance what I currently do. Gets gets and costs you but, money. Gosh, but um, yeah, I mean, the end game is is to see this place grow. Uh, we we want to be a global brand, right? Um. As we get bigger, uh, I'll probably go in one direction or the other as far as more hospitality. Most likely that will kind of fade a little bit and go deep into the product side of things. But the end game is to create something beautiful in the whiskey space. And that's as far as coming to this place and it being the destination as far as creating you know, the best bourbon we possibly can as a team. And then, you know, putting that together and just feeling like you accomplished something and you did something.
1: And we'll probably hit on this a little bit later, but with the either submissions or turnout or what you all saw from World's Top Whiskey Taster, do you think you're getting there? Do you think that you're seeing people either in regions of or talking about the brand in a way that is it either more than you hoped for I don't know, maybe less or just encouraging to see as you guys are growing.
2: It's much more. Yeah. It's much more. Uh it's so funny uh meeting people. This is the first year, even just in the last couple months that I've told someone where I've worked and they had heard of us. Right. And still I'd say the common if you were in the state of Kentucky, a lot of people have never heard of us. Majority right. I'd say. No issue there. We just started, but the the speed at which we've grown and getting our name out there and and what our marketing department's doing for us is just, just astounding. But it's starting to turn now where instead of someone wanting to go see Make, Maker's Mark and we're kind of a, a stop on the way back, hey, let's pop in, never heard of them. we are having people that,
0: that came to the bourbon trail to check us out. Well, you guys have dope food. I mean... Makers is one of my favorite stops on the Bourbon Trail because yeah. it's a gorgeous campus, like it it's is. gorgeous. But where are you gonna stop in Loretta for food? I right. mean, you guys have the amazing hospitality experience, and it's a totally different vibe from Makers, like, totally. and, and from the rest of the Bourbon Trail for that matter. Yeah, it's like Bardstown was the leader to show up and say, like, listen, here's how you do bourbon tourism in the whatever century we're in, twenty first, I guess, <laughs> in, in the twenty twenties. Here's how you do bourbon tourism. And you set a new bar.
2: Yeah, and that's been my mission, the modern bourbon experience. So we, I took every tour you could possibly take in bourbon. I believe it, it. It's thinking about how can we do it differently. So we start with the t- Instead of just being like cattle herded around a, a noisy distillery, we start mm. with the tasting. We focus on education. Every single tour ends by thieving out of a barrel. So it's like how many tangible moments that are, are tactile, memorable, you're, you're touching, you're engaging – uh, can we create? And then from there, developing what I call tour-adjacent experiences, which are culinary pairings, flights, cocktail classes, a tour experience that's just thieving out of barrels, blending class, mad scientist mm-hmm. blending where you pop on goggles and make your best bourbon blend you can make. Let's go. You know, yeah. About How many of those can we create? So, so it's, it's, and then when you come here, you're, you're engaging and you're learning about bourbon and you're not just being lectured to.
0: That's pretty rad. Um question. Well, well, one question about Bardstown, then one question about you. So with all the innovation and the tactile and blah blah blah. Not blah blah blah. No no negative way blah (laughs) blah blah. blah, And like, wow, that's really rad stuff that you were talking about. I don't mean to blah 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 (laughs) that in that way. (laughs) But uh, when are you guys going to drop some uh, barrel pick opportunities? Yeah, so they're, we
2: do them currently. They're very limited. When can Brian and I pick a barrel? Today. Uh, we can go. I mean, I don't know if you can have it, but you can pick out your favorite. I'll <laughs> have to raise some funds. <laughs> I always yeah. like to be heartbroken. So so we, we do two per state currently. Uh, state's oh, the wow. word. Uh, That's super exclusive. Super exclusive. Is it's, that what
1: MGM was or... Is Completely separate. Comple-
2: thing. MGM was a one off for, for their. I mean, that's th- MGM. I forgot yeah, I, I I'd ask. So, Brian and yeah.
0: Drew are probably different from MGM. <laughs> a little
2: bit. <laughs> little bit. Uh, no, two per state. And it works like a Futures, like a Bordeaux Futures program where you're buying. So, our oldest product, we started distilling in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, we've quadrupled in size since then, but our oldest product is just four years old. So, you're buying for something that will be released in the future. The difference between our barrel selection program and others is it. We have these 50 different mash bills you can pick them mm-hmm. up so you're comparing different mash bills so it's not the same barrel same mash bill lined up four different barrels it's
0: it's completely unique products wow yeah, yeah. so do, when somebody's like okay i want to get a barrel and you're like okay fine yeah do they get a taste 50 different products no, or they, What is that like process a, we send like. you the menu and
2: you, you say i want to try you get up to five oh, different okay. different barrels mm-hmm. that, got it yeah, gotta, yeah. there's there. got to be a line yeah <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right let's get 50 barrels not at starlight, out starlight
1: man they just said that's a dangerous
0: experience yeah, yeah i'm sure there's there's i'm sure there's variance <laughs> in these smaller distilleries and barton sounds not a smaller distillery like it's a different sort of yeah, startup it has, kind has a of vibe.
2: craft Beer, you know, so we do craft feel but seven point three don't million mess proof around. gallons. We're the seventh largest distillery in the US. Hit me with that number again. Seven point three million proof gallons. Million. Three hundred and thirty barrels a day. Let's so go. it's about twice the production of say a four roses or a Woodford. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's Redonk. donk. Yeah. So it's it, it has the capacity to become a, a global brand. Um but we we distill for a lot of other companies in addition to ourselves. Mm. You know so that's that's the big difference there so the percentage that goes for BBC products will slowly go up as we become that global brand
1: so and this is something you could just say afterwards' and be like, omit I but as we as you know we were talking on a video last night, so being a the way you look at a modern um, bourbon tourism, we're sitting here in this vintage whiskey room, so you have the Expansive knowledge of of whiskey, old and and modern. You're talking yeah. about your juice just now. Maybe juice is not juice. You know, is are, I call it juice. All some people hate. No, it. no. That's we call it juice. You're good. So as this as this liquid is getting to be just about <laughs> four, four years old, <laughs> where do you stand on on the younger age whiskey and folks who are they're just hopping on on the bourbon trail. Yep. Right, and they're trying. Four, five, six-year juice wherever they go, or less. Or less. I mean, tough. I I have a thought on it. I shared it with him last night. We I, all but know brands. It's, thoughts it's on so young intriguing because I know that there is. I mean, like, are you are our brands trying to? I don't want to say sell them, but like, hang folks on on the promise of what's to come. Is it you know what are you showcasing that is there? Yeah, are we showcasing that there's stuff? not there. You know, when I think about transparency, when I think about what you just said, there's four-year, you know, liquid on the
2: market. What? That seems interesting to me. It's great. So there's, so you start with the business model. It's one of the hardest things to make, right? Because you've recruited a team 2013, start distilling 2016. Your bourbon comes of age 2023. So that's a lot of years. An expense with no revenue. Correct. So you will see a ton of vodka, gin, and hundred-dollar two-year bourbon on the market mm-hmm. yeah. from the get-go. From I day don't mind one, we gin <laughs> man,
0: but that hundred-dollar yeah, two-year, two-year we year bourbon, we said like, we don't want to do that. I'm That's not. not us. I'm probably not coming around to that brand later. Like, oh, their two-year was crap, and I paid way too much right. for it. Now I'm going to go buy their four-year, thinking it's way better. It's probably not so going to happen. You can't recover that reputation. can at- do it. And Steve's a great example with
2: Wyoming Whiskey, right? Uh, he started Wyoming, and he'll be the first to tell you they may be released a little early, and their mm-hmm. stuff is wonderful now. But when you release a little early, it's tough to, to come back mm. from that. So we don't make gin, we don't make vodka, and we don't release, our, not, we, we don't release four- and five-year bourbon. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting. So what we do is this fusion blend, which has our young product, 60% of it's R. right now it's four-year bourbon, the 40% is sourced and we balance it that way so you can taste what's coming off our still you can see where we're going but it's balanced with it's, that It's and then smoke.
1: for a direction it says can you can you taste this can you taste that this is yeah. the journey we're wanting
2: it to go exactly yep. you can try you know it's got our rye bourbon in it our wheat bourbon in it and you get kind of those bright young notes but it's balanced yeah right you have it's saying we want quality we want balance so you can see what we're making. This is our juice and we'll tell you exactly what's in there. Um, but we always wanna release quality
0: products that are ready to be drank. Right. Yeah, I like that. All right, one more question, then we'll get to taste some products here. This is more the personal side. And this is a question we plan to ask all of our guests, which is a heavy question, but it's, a, it's it. a deeply human question. And that is like, as you assess your, your job at Bardstown Bourbon Company, as vice president of hospitality and product innovation, close to your title, yeah. Um, how do you view that in light of your your purpose as a human being? Like, wh- yeah. When you sort of go home at the end of the day, what gives you the satisfaction to go like, oh, well, that was cool. Like, yeah. What What is Danny's purpose?
2: That's great. So I've that's a great question. I've always been about self improvement. Right, and, and, and having that focus, which really came from music, right? Where you're hammering against something every day, and I think there's beauty in perfecting a craft. I really do think that is a noble purpose. Um, so that's number one. I, I think there's no more noble career and purpose as well than hospitality. I, I've always felt that, and that's what I tell our hospitality team is they're doing an important thing, right? ensuring that someone has a wonderful meal, comes in, feels welcome. Um, You're creating something for them and it's a gift you're giving to them through putting in the effort and time to, to make their time here enjoyable and worthwhile. That's something special. So creating hospitality, refining a product, those two missions is everything I'm about. So this job lines up with what I want to do.
0: Yeah, I empathize with that, creating this experience for people where they truly feel cared for. Yeah. Like in in coffee, like we sell coffee, it's a $3 product. Like, well, that's fine. And a cup of coffee seems like an everyday commodity almost. But right. At, at Stone Creek, we try and say, it's not a commodity. Like, we're not about selling coffee. We're about, like, creating human connections and human connections at such a level that it's remarkable that people go like holy dang like that barista (laughs) actually cared about me as a human being yeah like this company quote unquote which is not companies are you know a figment of our imagination they're made up of people making decisions right this company cared to make my day better like that's truly like that can create some change like within our broader society so this initiative to say like listen hospitality if you just say the hospitality industry it sounds kind of sterile but if you say like i desire to create an amazing experience for a person that leaves an impact on who they are as a human being yeah there's there's some gravity to that it's a lot of selflessness there yeah it's
2: it's that's a great word for it It is uh selflessness Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah i mean nobody's gonna attend bar and like Create a remarkable experience on a bartender's wage, unless it comes from the core of their their being. Like exactly, person, I could do anything, but here I am today to create an amazing drink and leave a, an impression on the person across the and, counter. Like not yeah. that you don't
1: get to enjoy doing that, but it, it's it seems so interesting to hear that people would spend their days. That's where they would work, or that's where they would go to work on something so hard that it would cause. Potential frustrations mm-hmm. when coming home or whatever. I mean, I know you mm-hmm. have a whole lot of that. For the sake of someone to have an amazing experience when it's all said and done. Yeah. For them to be able to get the perfectness, even if they have problems with it. Like and you know, we worked
2: hard yeah. for this. Absolutely. And I feel like if you're not if you're not goal driven and you don't have if you basically if you're not thinking about the question you asked to start this, uh then you need to start thinking about what what do we what am I doing? Does this fulfill who I am. And for me, it does. I get the biggest adrenaline rush uh, when when I when I do it right in hospitality, when I take care of someone I know I did something good Then then that fulfills me.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think everybody needs to ask themselves that question. Like, what is your purpose? What when you get out of bed in the morning? What are you about? And if you're not doing what you're about? Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> got to go find <laughs> that like, <That's> right. <laughs> You you're in the wrong job.
2: Yeah. You just nailed it, man. It's great.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about Bardstown products now.
2: Oh, okay. So I pulled. I I got some products for you to try. That's uh, why we're here. Two no, of them. No one's ever here. tried. It's a total bonus. <laughs> so, uh, you ready? Let's Absolutely. go. Yeah. Okay. So first one is the Fusion series. Fusion number four. So we do this one, and you guys can uh, with with spirits. I will not be offended if you just dump it you know, or just smell it or spit it, whatever you want to do, great. Um, Not gonna offend me in the least, but this is our fusion series number four. The fusion series is what we talked about, which is a blend of our product um, distilled on site with older source bourbon. So these series will keep going. We started obviously number one to four. We're working on five right now. What's interesting here is the process. We do it like an NCA final four bracket, where different company members will submit their blend. 50 different mash bills to choose from, a bunch of sourced bourbon to choose from. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, Got so it. this is one of our visitor experience representatives, uh, amazing uh, guy, just promoted to single barrel coordinator. Uh, Vince Metcalf. Earned it. <laughs> Earned it. Yeah, you make the blend. <laughs> uh, and this is Fusion Series number four. Uh, just, just a great profile. It's, it's on shelves right now. Can you hit us with a
0: breakdown of what's in here? Yeah, and that's
2: the beauty is I don't have to memorize it because it's right on the label. (laughs) So it is 34% uh, a nice high rye four-year bourbon, so 18% rye bourbon, 15% of kind of a very traditional mash bill, uh, 10% rye um, bourbon, 11% of an innovative mash bill that we did for High West, which is 60% corn, 40% rye, no barley. So that gives a lot of those bright rye notes, just 11%, but a, a little dab will do you on that. And then it's the sourced component, which is 40%. So 60% R, it's 60% ours, 40% sourced. The sourced is a 13 year Kentucky bourbon, Mash Bill 7418.8. If you just Google that real quick, you'll find a distillery down the road from here. Um, Yeah. Well played. Vision four comes in great cocktail uh, proof. We, we love being around 100 proof. This is. Uh, a little south of that around 95 but smooth balanced uh beautiful pour
0: really sweet up right away yeah i mentioned last night in uh our video that i don't really like the expression right away in tastings. bottom line is the first thing that i interpret in the tasting is the sweetness level yeah um it's like honey on cornbread
2: honey on cornbread's great good descriptor the
0: the the nostril qualities are also very sweet there is an effervescence where i get um uh, a little bit of new make spirit mm-hmm. you know there's some some mm-hmm. reminiscence some youth. of new make spirit on the on the it's like note. soaked with a little bit of
2: fruitiness or like sweetness
1: fruity doing yeah.
0: something fruity a little <laughs> bit
1: of something like that
2: yeah it it's uh it's pretty special i i like this one and uh to me the fusion series represents everything we're about collaborating this was picked by our committee a tasting panel about 10 people that blind taste all of these submissions and they vote and score. We do the old Seagram scale, one to five, you score everything, there's rounds, it goes, and it's almost always unanimous at the end where we agree, this is one we like. And the panel is comprised of, of tons of different backgrounds, ages, approaches. You know, We'll put chefs on the panel, uh, distillers on the panel. So we're tru- truly getting a rounded viewpoint on what it can be.
0: Yeah, I'm getting some spicy finish, but I'm standing by that honey on cornbread. Honey on cornbread How, do, how does Great. this, we're going to come to Brian's tasting notes because he's definitely the more technical taster out of the two of us. But how do you stack this one up against the other three fusion releases? Great. Uh, this one I'd say is my favorite only because
2: I get so excited about our juice getting older. No, sure. No uh, doubt. I'm sure you uh, do. So it's like four, this is, you know, has four-year product in it. So it's like really knocking on the door when Mm. we can release it six years. Mm -hmm. Um, The first, this is is a good little anecdote for being a a small company. The first three fusions used the exact same, they were the same recipe. It just got older and older. But the two young bourbons it used are going to be our core release bourbons. So we realized if we kept making fusion, fusion got so popular and kind of took off, we wouldn't have any six-year bourbon. So we had to cut those two recipes off, save them to release at six years, and then uh, go in a different direction for, for Fusion 4. So Fusion 4 is a departure from the old model.
0: Brian, what are you getting? I see you doing that Kentucky He's chew. I just it. do That's the same thing. thing. Cool. I really do. Well, I mean, again, you I said chew it's pretty south hard of too. 100
1: proof, but it's viscous for what yeah. you get, which again, you know, as as someone who will want to taste through single barrels of uh, of any product, Elijah Craig or Buffalo Trace, right? To me, they're not profiles I normally would want to drink. What stands out to me about something that has proof south of the hundred is does it have more body? Is it more rich mm-hmm. than another poor? So to sure. me, you know, that mouthfeel is always going to be a selling point for me, especially, you know, as tasting through proof. I'm not one of those people who die on the cross of like uh barrel strength. It right. has to be, but I me have neither. to have richness. Right.
0: That expression was kind of funny to me (laughs) (laughs) like nobody's crucifying you Brian
1: (laughs) but yeah I mean the palate it's it's got a little bit of that kind of maple front it it has the rye that is just nice and it's not hits me mostly on the
0: finish that the spicy yeah
1: Yeah. but I mean it's pleasant I feel like I get it kind of right in the right in the middle towards the finish but it's um it's still balanced with with sweetness and you kind of have some of that sweet grain and again you just notice the richness i feel like that just marries everything together yeah
0: while the youth is evident it definitely does pack a wall up of flavor all right number two here
2: so what i'm what i'm passing you now is is the complement to fusion is our discovery series and both of these celebrate the art of blending you know, traditionally in bourbon, you, you see a lot about the age statement in the year and blends you see in champagne and scotch and Japanese whiskey. We feel like there is a ton of space uh, to grow in bourbon blending where you're making Green. a product where the final, the final output is better than any of the individual parts. So discovery series, there's just no limitations. It's like, let's make the best bourbon possible. All sourced. This case, it's all Kentucky bourbon. Ten year, thirteen year, and fifteen year. Uh, is there any of this in the gift shop? There. It, well, we <laughs> sold out, and then we just yeah. got a, another allocation of it in. So uh, yes, there is. Oh my god! The cool thing here <laughs> oh. is uh, this timing. was this timing this was impeccable. Huh. Oh, you nailed it! It's gonna be gone after this weekend. Um, the blend was made by uh, by our executive chef Stu Plush. Uh, who is just wonderful, responsible for all the culinary innovation here. Does uh, the he won.
0: Sorry. No, you're good. no. Finish. No, no, he won. That was it. He he <laughs> won. <laughs> he won. So it's the final four bracket style. again. <laughs> exactly. About oh, about 40 that's blends, so 40 cool. options. That's and so cool.
2: His blend made it through. So it's um 55%. Its core is a 13 year Kentucky bourbon, 18% rye, 74, 18, 8. 37% of a 15-year, and this is a weird mash bill that you're not going to see on Google too much, uh, 78.5% corn, 13 rye, 8.5% malted barley, but it comes from one of the big guys. I won't see it in Google much. One but, of the big guys. But, but it's been up there a little bit. It seems <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, uh, some people have been scooping this up, this 15 up. I might have a whole bunch of it in my basement. Yeah, exactly. And then an eight-year... Uh, eight percent of a ten-year Kentucky bourbon, uh, seventy-five percent corn, thirteen percent rye, twelve percent malted. Was rye. the
0: proof proof on that?
2: This one is coming in at one fifteen. Yeah, man, it's redonk. It's so good. Yeah.
0: It is like there's just layers. I mean, there's cherries there, there's figs, there's plenty of sweet oak, um, there's vanilla, mm-hmm. and it's just like sitting in there. Like I'm, I can taste it for days. Yeah,
1: yeah. And this is what's been been interesting. Like with, I mean, we haven't really talked about this at all. But like, with secondary markets, with with older whiskeys, with all the stuff being seemingly inaccessible, with allocations, just in general, you know, things that are hard to get. To me, and and why I pose the question about younger age stuff. To me, I miss and want to taste more whiskey like this. Yeah. So, so not having more products cheap. like this on the market that you do not have to fight someone for right. is it, it's insane that you know can even sit on a shelf still, yep. let alone just have the palette that is is a is a testament to still you know current stuff, but this is a flavor that to me I feel like this kind of palette is is what more what whiskey
2: is about. I agree. To me, the Discovery Series is what what I think bourbon should be. Oh yeah. And you know, the the method works. Brown Getting those sugar. viewpoints, blind tasting. The thing I didn't mention is we throw other premium cast strength spirits into the blind. Oh wow. So we'll put uh, Stag Junior, we'll put Booker's, we'll put Kentucky Owl, all of those kind of what I would call full, full bore, large expressions. Uh, many of them blends. Into the round, and and we if ours doesn't win, then we don't release it blind taste. Oh, nice! Wow, so this that's beats awesome. everything.
0: Yeah, that's such a savage move. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna throw yeah. this up against the big guys, and uh, if it's not better, then we're just not gonna sell it. Right, and it's all blind. You know, it, it's uh, I oversee
2: that process and make sure no one knows what they're what they're tasting, and you know, it's worked so far. That is beautiful. Yeah,
0: I'm getting brown sugar on Honey Crisp apples. Brian, what are you pulling from this one?
1: I mean, I, I really like what you said initially. Is layered, like, to me. Again, what we talked about last night, depth, you know, mm. stacks on stacks of flavor complexity is, is what I absolutely love. So getting some of that real chewiness, which I usually attribute to, like, mm-hmm. a caramel or brown sugar mixed in with the oak is, you know, is already a home run for me. A Grand Slam is when I get this which isn't exactly in this, but when I get like a salted caramel, which is normally in like Dusty's or whatever, mm-hmm. that right there, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is awesome. But getting into not only some of the oakiness, but then I get some of this like what I would maybe potentially attribute to char or something that's a little bit um, cooked or toasted Bitter. or something like Bitter, that. Bitter, but not in the p- bad incredibly way. Incredibly positive way, yeah, right. right? Like in an IPA. Orange peel and then like you said, like with some of the figginess a little bit too. Yeah. It's just, it has... It checks all the boxes for
0: something yeah. that I like to drink. Some citrus up in there, too. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, it's so good. I, I and I don't like one. to, f- I wouldn't float your boat either. You I wouldn't can. Like, oh, man, it's really good. <laughs> like, we'll leave and I'll be like, dude, that, that sucked. So, no, who, I mean, so, so good. It's
1: ridiculous. Oh, you so already good. mentioned, though, who, who cool. that was attributed yep, to. Yep, that's yeah, that's right.
2: Exactly. Um, but it really is a team effort on everything we did uh, and those perspectives, right? We we feel that if you take distilling, culinary, and beverage and put those mindsets together, something great will happen. And it continues uh, to work that way. So we tasted our finished product with the Fusion Discovery. The third piece of our releases right now is the collaborative series, which is taking bourbon, finishing it in a barrel that was previously used for another wine, beer, or spirit. So we've done releases uh, Chateau de la Baude Armagnac, mm-hmm. Prisoner Wine. Uh, Both of which have been, yeah. have been
0: met with very high praise. Yeah,
2: and it's just, it's a way, these aren't going to drive the business from a profit uh, profitability standpoint. They're, they're not going to be large releases. It really stands for the collaboration and innovation and seeing what can we create, what can we do. So I pulled... My office uh, is just one big stack of samples and bourbon bottles right now. I pulled a couple I'm excited about. Um, these are new ones that I don't believe anyone's tried. Um, we have an upcoming release with Plantation Rum, oh neat, which will be very cool. Um, some, you know, it's it's coming up on a year now in barrel, and then Goodwood, uh, KBS, their stout. We have bourbon One. aging in there. Now, these samples are both very young. They're both about four to five months. Our traditional aging length is 18 months, right. which is very unique. 18 here. months just in finishing. Just in finishing. Okay. Right? Which is unique in the industry. Yeah, that's a long. lot of finishes, you know, I love Bell mead. We make a lot of Bell Mead here. I love them, but if you get there, say their cognac finish, it's a different approach. It's just a hint of cognac. What we want to do is really meld the two mm-hmm. flavor profiles. So, let's check in on these cuz it's been let's a, it's do been it. a minute. Let's start with the founders.
1: And that is one thing that I feel like I've I've seen with a couple at least with um with the the goodwood previously is um that there are multiple layers, right? So, the, especially with the the goodwood honey ale that was in a copper and king brandy Right, we get, we're getting into, and there's not, that's not the first one
2: done like that. Yeah, exactly. So if they have a bourbon barrel aged stout and then we're, you know, like you say, it can go back and forth. Right. So this has only been in barrel for four months on this one at the time I pulled it. So check it out. And what, what I wanted to show you is, is, is how that flavor is starting to come on and where it's going to go. The the tricky part here is when do you pull it out of barrel? Because there is a, a, a time when you can go too long. Right. What we're trying to do is find balance between the two flavors. So, a so your goal probably is that eighteen month, but it not married to it necessarily. Not at all. And with with this with a stout, uh, I could go quicker. So right now, when I taste this, I get a lot of vibrancy, a lot of sizzle, a lot of pop. It's kind of in your face right away but it what it lacks to me is the smoothed out characteristic the roundness it's almost it's just a little too aggressive on the pop for me so i think it needs the flavors need to marinate a little
1: longer now what you've one thing i've been curious about and again because i i do some barrel aging of coffee too so i'd be curious to hear you talk about kind of the marrying of the two so I think a little bit of fear in aging too long. Some folks would say, well, no, it will take on too much of. Do you think mm-hmm. there's a point of which it it does what I guess people's fear is probably like a a transfer of flavor or like an inverse of proportions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or do you just notice that it, it, it just has a, a growing of intensity? Before until- you kick
0: in, yeah, I, I got to imagine because you're the expert, but I'm going to throw out an opinion, then you yeah. correct me. Is once that spirit, once the bourbon or whatever you're throwing in there hits that barrel, if there's stout in there or if there's some reminiscent um, spirit, it's going to suck that up pretty quick. Yep. Like, And then it's like after a few weeks, like it's pulled all the sherry or all the wine right. or all the stout out of the barrel that it can possibly pull. Now it's just more about the overall aging process together.
2: I, I would say that, and also as the seasonality goes with the expansion and contraction of the barrel naturally, it can pick up more, you know? When it, when it, you know, it diurnal shifts, you know, when, when the bourbon's allowed to really get in the staves, I think it there is more to pick up over a longer period of time, and then certainly it's finding that balance together. An example, because we're still experimenting with this, 18 months is a very long time in the industry, we let, so our Pfeiffer Pavot, uh, Suzanne Pfeiffer Pavot, uh Calistoga, Napa, winemaker, we did the finish with our one San Francisco best-in-class finished bourbon. We held back two barrels just to see what would happen. So we're going to release them as a 39-month finish. Let's go. Single barrel. Yeah, so that's kind of seeing, hey, if we happened, we thought it was the right time, and I think we made the right decision, uh, but if we happen to go out, Exo, super long. What what would it taste like? And it's wonderful. It's different. Uh, it's softer. It's it's smoother.
0: You know. But how many bottles of that did you pull out of those two barrels?
2: Well, they're still in the barrel right now. Okay, they're still living in the barrel. We're about to dump to, dump them. Yeah, we're we're doing a fill your own bottle system out in our rickhouse where you'll be able to fill up your own bottle. And those will be the first things. Like tomorrow at ten o'clock, when I might roll (laughs) back. We're about a month out, Uh, dude. But that's a way to gauge the process. And what I do when I pull them is I'll have the first one, you know, and then source every two
0: months, you know, and see how it
2: develops and see if we made the right decision. So cool. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, So let's talk about this stout finished. You mentioned the pop, and you weren't feeling that. I like me liking the pop.
2: I like the pop too. Now okay, I get so tootsie pop roll. To- yeah, it's- I get
0: sweet tootsie roll. Yeah, and then I get some uh, some clove and some anise, like some black licorice mm-hmm. up Spicy. in there. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of finished bourbons. Let me be clear. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, there are some flavor notes in this that I mean, it feels good, like a like a nice melding, not an artificial like okay, our bourbon sucks, so let's add some stuff to it. It feels like, no, this is... It's not bourbon, but it's really interesting. And there's a right. lot of interesting flavors you're not going to pull out of your everyday bourbon. So if you're looking for something different, particularly in the chocolatey region here, this I is agree. nice.
2: And I think, the like you said, it it can't be confused with artificial flavoring, which is, uh, no doubt, is a totally different category of spirits. For this, like you say, it's putting... Non-traditional bourbon notes on a bourbon, um, in a very in a subtle way. It's it, you still want to retain the you you want an equal balance.
1: Yeah, and I'm sorry if I miss this. What is what is the base that went into
2: this? This one is that Tennessee eighty four eight eight. Okay, classic high corn.
0: The hashtag, other hashtag big- dick. <laughs> I didn't
2: say anything. <laughs> well, I thought you guys were transparent. <laughs> but we what say love- no, no. We're fully transparent to the point that we legally can be. Got it. So we okay. feel like so We I sign might- an NDA. If we put eighty four eight eight Tennessee, that <laughs> got it. That's fair. We're good. That's yeah. fair.
1: Yeah. So to me, I mean, whenever I've had things that are finished similarly to this, I just you know to me, sure, Tootsie Pop does it too. But it just like uh, it just reminds me of a chocolate malt. Yeah. Right. Initially, like I just get this kind of maltiness that provides a mouthfeel. It's interesting, but then I get a ton of juiciness in the finish, too. So it's kind of 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 but 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 I mean, it just tastes like a juicy pour, which is surprising to come out of something that to me is like chocolate, malty, kind of saturated, kind of thicker pop. And then it's separate. I mean, and maybe that's a little bit of what, what you're talking about. Like to me, they are separate experiences. My front flavors are disjointed from my back I like them but they don't they're not harmonious necessarily it's interesting
2: yeah I I guess that's what I was getting at and it's so interesting it's the art and science of it right where where some things you can pinpoint this is why it is you know it's this mash bill with this it's getting along it's not getting along and to me it's the complete experience of this pour is not quite just a smooth balanced ride right like like it's got it's disjointed it just feels a little disjointed sure but it's wonderful the flavors are there it's going to be amazing right yeah it just needs to i think marinate longer doubt
0: plays well with that undisclosed tennessee whiskey you're talking about it does and to be like i am actually a fan of well-aged undisclosed tennessee whiskey where like a lot of bourbon geeks are like i get flintstone vitamins Uh, oh yeah like i actually like the uh, I call it uh corn pudding or roasted nuts like, yeah. instead of Flintstone vitamins like I sort of get why they're talking about that there's some citrus with this nuttiness but there's a lot of sweetness and uh yeah creaminess that comes with I that particular. I feel like the really good with that too what's that yeah. to
1: bring that to like to bring that in a good place
2: well it's interesting cuz when we did that Pfeiffer, we had access to 15 year Kentucky 13 year Kentucky 13 year MGP and every time we do it we 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 do everything blind we pick the one that matches up mm-hmm. best um so for example you know we have a, a high-end cognac finish that's going to come out we're pairing that with a seven-year bourbon mm. because that's what won the blinds and that's what matched up the best we have 17-year stocks i love
1: this blinds talk i just feel like yeah, you yeah. have people on that's two sides means. of of bleachers in jerseys bbc jerseys just like yeah just waiting to see the results and people carrying them on big poster boards. I,
0: I think I, American politics should run on blind <laughs> tasting. <absolutely. laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: I'm curious to see the reception on this seven year cognac finish because it's our youngest, me our youngest collaboration. But yeah. it it went through the same process and that matched best with the flavors, so we went with we went with it.
0: I think that's why you guys are crushing it, though. Is like that process of like, listen, we're gonna let everybody have their shot, which is dope, and then yeah. we're gonna have the best tasting product win the day. Yeah. That is really cool versus like one master distiller or one master taster like, I like this. And while that's kind of cool for like Mystique, like, I mean, Eddie Russell, they put their signature on it and it's good. Like, okay, that's fine. But let's like get some consensus here. Yep. I think that's going to work in the marketplace better than someone's palate happening to match jimmy and eddie russell's i hundred percent as much agree. as i like wild turkey which I, I like i'm kind of hit or miss i mean on you're pulling turkey. from
1: a variety of different whiskey drinkers too it's not yeah. it's a specific
0: yeah. it'll probably yeah. win with the general populace which is why i think bardstown is winning with the general populace i think so i think it's the complete picture here
2: let's try another one let's do it so this is our Pfeiffer Pavit we were talking about. Oh yeah. Now this is—I must have been in a dangerous mood. I didn't label this bottle, and I—I I know wh- where I got it. In my office, it looks office. like a hip flask. It looks like you carry it like you're like. <laughs> oh, I know oh, what I, this is. I have to go to
0: a production in the theater. I'm taking some some whiskey with me. Yeah. Uh,
2: in there. Um. <laughs> this is about 13 month finish Napa Cabernet, Calistoga. So. Any wine people out there will know that Napa works backwards. Uh, the higher, the the further north you go in Napa, the hotter it gets because you're further away from the water. So Calistoga up north, you're going to get a ton of ripeness fruit. Um, these just go so well together. The first release of this Pfeiffer Pavet was an 8-year bourbon. This is a 10-year bourbon.
1: And that first release was outstanding.
2: Yeah, best in class San Francisco Spirits finished bourbon.
0: The the nose on this is unbelievable. Nice. It's like juicy fruit. Yeah, but not only that. It's I mean, it, I mean, it smells like well-aged bourbon with yeah, for fruit. ten years old.
1: Yeah. It smells. I mean, it's this is the kind of nose that I want to get. That I'm saying, oh, this is not of this decade. Yeah, is this yeah.
0: MGP? No, like MGP. No,
2: no. Start. Come We're on, man. Say, say percentages. This is so this is that same eighty-four-eight-eight. 8. Okay, this get is it. Out. But it's older and like you said for whatever magical reason that mash bill and we shouldn't be saying Dude, that Same mash bill with at napa age, cabernet just like that mash works. bill at age
0: though so per uh the bourbon pursuit guys released yeah. that mash bill yeah um in uh one of their pursuit series early yeah. early on it was like 14 year old and it was unbelievable yeah, good.
2: It was so good. It's underrated. I and this isn't a sales pitch for that at all, but it does get but along it well of with Cabernet. It <laughs>
0: really does. That smells amazing. I mean, it smells so creamy and fruity. I mean, like vanilla beans and custard, um, roasted pecans and pie and crap. It's oh my god. It's great, right? Yeah. I could just snort this. Yeah. Me too.
1: And what's what's interesting too you mentioned early on and I don't think it was related to BBC necessarily but you talked about you know to you nose being incredibly important to yeah. you And in what you, and what's interesting too because I mean there are a lot of pours that I'll try of whiskeys, and I'll dismiss the nose a little bit and I'll say oh, it's fine you know I'm not smelling it anyway I am drinking it not that I don't appreciate the nose I yeah, really yeah. do because unlike a lot of other things with coffee. I mean, I am not going to get caffeinated if I just smell the coffee. I will, right, not, right, I will not do that. You know, I'm going to consume it because I want it for for consumption's sake. But with whiskey, a lot of times, just being stuff you have with people, mm-hmm. you, someone could sit there and just nose their glass yeah. the whole I- night, never take a sip and have an Absolutely. incredible evening experience. 100%. And it, but what's so weird is that every nose that we're trying today is like very high scoring. Yeah. It, yeah which is true. I can't say
2: is the same across other brands. It's not. Consistently. I 100% agree. And I would challenge anyone to blind. Just take our Fusion series and blind it against uh, another core common bourbon and see yeah. how it does. I mean, these things won out for a reason. We we believe in the quality and and it all starts. One of the, you know, the first category is, is
0: how is the aroma? How is the nose? Yeah. yeah. I'm on a journey this year to taste 100 craft whiskeys in 2020, yeah. which I I don't know craft whiskeys, which is why yeah. I started this. I know Beam. I know Heaven Hill. I know Friar right. Roses. I know Wild Turkey. I know these profiles. So I wanted to see what's new out there that's crushing it. And it's, so it's really interesting to taste the fusion next to last night. I had three different small distillers. Small distiller. Sure, grow, sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the nose is a big, it's a big indicator of what you're going to taste. Like, h- how much percentage of your taste is your smell? Like, your right, olfactory right. experience overall. Like, the nose is a primary indicator yeah. of what's coming.
1: Absolutely. Now, what's interesting, I, would, I pose this question to you then. You know, you you all, 10 minutes ago, said you're not really into finished whiskey. I mean, I, I think it's pretty prominent on the palate. What do you think of this glass? I think it's amazing, right? <laughs> so let me be, I guess when I say it, I'm not into finished whiskey I anymore,
0: to, I have to specify because I would buy this right away. I'm actually going to steal that hip flask. Here, you can right have now. it. I'll do you one better. You don't even have, to, oh my you don't have to commit a crime. There you go. We made the right choice starting a podcast. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I am not into the finished whiskeys I've had. -hmm. I'll put it that way. It's like I have not had a finished whiskey to date that was like, man, I feel like that's better off, because it was finished. But this was, regardless of what happened, like the end product. I don't care if the products that went into it were better separate. It's so good right now that that I don't care what happened. Great creaminess and balance to the nose with a lot of depth of flavor. It's so creamy. Whatever it's not flavor. I'm tasting it,
1: but on the palate you have. I mean it's almost a funkiness of fruit but in which again just like gives a fermented to me it's like fruit. an old yeah. a, an ode to older whiskey but what's what I don't notice in from the KBS is like I feel like I get a little bit again from what I noticed in the discovery I get a little bit of char I taste like a yeah. little bit more barrel no, there's barrel to this up in that yeah. and I know yeah. it, you said it's older but at the same time it's not noticeable in the, the kbs finish yeah so you're right. able to pull out different nuances at yeah. the same time the
0: kbs one was definitely chocolate stout heavy it was not age heavy on the right the bourbon side this one the bourbon feels and to be fair though i mean it was older. 13
1: months and the other one right you know four right. so or five five, whatever you mentioned so
0: but is there a difference in the age of the whiskey that went into it into the finish the pfeiffer pavit is a little bit older yeah But,
2: you know, real quick, I I don't get too much into it, but what we do differently that no one's really done the industry is how we ship these barrels. So traditionally, when you see a a wine-finished bourbon, so uh, there's been a lot of unsuccessful wine-finished bourbon that, uh, you know, just didn't work out, they would uh, rinse out the barrels. They would hose them out because they didn't want it to spoil in the journey. Makes sense. Uh, But what you don't get there is the flavor profile. Right. So our solution, we leave a gallon or even two gallons of dregs residual in the barrel That's a lot of dregs yeah a lot of dregs pump it with argon gas seal it so it'll stay and then immediately as soon as they're dumped they go in a truck they drive from napa right here to bardstown kentucky and the second they hit Bardstown, we fill them, so there's it's an no incredible spoilage. drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh Bardstown, we need drink to film fresh. that drive, drink right? Drink fresh, exactly. So the the juice is fresh, and it's actually interacting with genuine wine. It's not just mm. whatever's in the state. Man, that's.
0: I mean, it's ridiculous.
2: Which so I was, good. I was
1: curious what was going to happen because again, I had tried the first version. I yeah. knew it
0: was great, and that was.
1: <laughs> I had curious not where the second was going to go. I'm a it happy is
0: man right now. Also great. <laughs> That's awesome! Really nice.
2: And cheers. Ooh.
1: Cool. And if you haven't had a sip of your old fashioned recently, you you should because it is now it's also a,
0: delicious. It's, just, <laughs> it's a blend. That's uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so when we walked in, Brian and I got uh, barrel aged old fashions uh, from the bar, and oh my gosh. So, Jet squad, if you're tuning into this podcast and you're, you know, driving through Bourbon Country. Bardstown in particular, you got to make Bardstown Bourbon Company one of your stops because what they're doing here is, I mean, certified dank as the yeah. kids would say. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. If you want to just a pour of neat bourbon, they've got plenty. They, their own stuff is super rad, and then their their museum, which we are sitting in, of vintage bourbons, is just unbelievable. And then their mixology and their food, second to none. So, awesome so awesome
1: and while we're going through this too so i mean i don't know if this is anything like working coffee and coffee when i go home i don't particularly want to brew coffee but like for you i mean what's your home bar look it's like? a great question some, are there pores yeah. that you got at home that you're I, like yeah what's your some of this or you know i mean i don't know if you work yeah, in, I do both, work in that uh,
2: yeah i'll have wine with dinner and you know just kind of relax uh my family two little two little boys right now nice so, uh, ages uh, both under two. One's about to turn two. Wow. One is about four and a half months. That's you guys yeah. wasted no time. No time. So, uh, yeah. And then, absolutely, drink some bourbon. I love checking in on what's out there in the industry. Last night I was drinking Knob Creek Rye, cast strength, and it was just incredible. Yeah, so like me
0: some knob rye. Right? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So
2: I just try to check in on what's out there. I. I Throughout the day, I, I I know I'm very much in tune with what BBC is creating. Um, occasionally, I'll have a pour just to, to try it from a distance, but
0: uh, at night I I try to kind of
2: tune in on what the new releases
0: of the industry. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's your favorite bottle? If you had to say your favorite pour available whatever. right now, no, no, ever. What's the the whiskey that blew you? away? We'll it's a two parts. So All right, so parts. yeah, the most. Ever and then right now. But let's hit that ever question. because Well, we're sitting in ever
2: right now. So this is we're sitting is in, in over four hundred un- bottles of un- vintage whiskey. Unbelievable. A lot of people will say those nineteen sixty nine old crow chessmen. Uh, they're up there, but that's they, what they're Minick very says. variable. They Minick can be says, good. They are variable. The Rittenhouse twenty-three uh, has just such a sweet spot for me. Which guys, and that's ripe. I mean, right by me. I could there, literally steal uh, amazing it. Amazing twenty-three it. year ride. I I could, could chug Let's do chug that one right now. Yeah. If I was you know, just came from arrested. an unpaid bill for <laughs> Heaven Hill, they they owe you know, they made some rye and never sold it. The guy didn't pay for it, so it just wow. sat there. And then all this Stitzel these uh Old Fitzgeralds uh, at that time called the Old Fitzgerald Distillery, coming out of Stitzelweller. Weller. To me, that's that's pretty close to the top of the mountain. The Al Young, uh, he was here. Just it doesn't seem like that long ago uh, that we lost him and got to taste that with him. So that Four Roses Al Young,
0: Do you had to a pop that bottle race. here with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. let's go! Yeah, I uh, have a friend man. in Wisconsin who is. Who has that? And I've got to coerce him. Scott, Scott, up here listening to this, which he might. He has his own YouTube channel. He's got to let me try that. Oh, yeah. Young.
2: Our COO John Hargrove, me and him. That's that's our favorite bottle, I would say. Sweet. Yeah. So those are some of the highlights, but there's over 400. You go back to <laughs> 1930, 19, uh, 1892. You can find something. Well, I appreciate you guys. Uh, dude awesome to be here amazing amazing to taste this
0: stuff amazing to hear your story Um, And the ethos of Bardstown uh, bourbon company like I mean when I walked in this I walked in this place two and a half years ago with my wife we were doing the bourbon trail and we left our kids at home came down and when we walked in I mean everything was young so I wasn't like oh let's try some Bardstown bourbon company products you know we were here because I heard the food was pretty good and it was amazing lunch experience was fantastic but even now coming back and seeing the brand grow and the reputation grow and taste the stuff it's like holy crap you guys are doing some really rad stuff and i'm just jacked i'm jacked for the the products that we're tasting now and where you guys are headed it's i mean think when you at the start of this podcast you talked about the all-star team really Mm -hmm. getting assembled And if you want to start something awesome and make an impact on an industry, you you get the people who know what they're talking about. Exactly. You know, from the hospitality range to the distillation, you know, science and the product development and Bardstown has done that and you guys are doing really rad stuff. So I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm
1: ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Everything that we talked about. I mean, everything here is just check, check, check. Great, great, great. And we're not even to the... To getting the single barrels out yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the best is still yet
2: to come, <laughs> as they would say, in
1: like wherever they would say it. Yeah, but I would say the best is probably on the table right now. So,
2: <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys, and I encourage anyone listening. Number one is just to come see us, come check us out. The best way to connect with our mission is is to come see it in person. So, thank you for listening.
0: And it's definitely worth your time, squad. Um, stop by Bard Sound Bourbon Company. You might see Danny. Yeah. You might see the crew here. Of course, you'll see the crew here. But go on the tour. Get the tastings. If you can, get some Discovery Series because they've done an amazing job. And then the Fusion Series just is a pretty solid rep- representation of the collaborations that they're doing and how mm-hmm. they go about creating products every single day. Awesome. Let's deliver some dank stuff to their, their squad. That's right. That's right. Cheers. All right. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in this week. A little bit of a long podcast to kick you off, but we think it's worthwhile. It's pretty solid stories of people and brands. So thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the Entry Proof Podcast for for Brian. That is me. So long, everybody. I'm Drew. We'll see you next time.